what's happening come from the German language. This is Führerprinzip. You know, the truth comes from the leader. And when they need to kind of get behind a criminal in order to uh, be, um, you know, kind of a legitimate figure within a political party, that political party is, uh, you know, you got, you got to wonder what these guys are going to look like 50 years from now in the eyes of history, right? They'll look like, you know, the guys like Fritz von Poppen, you know, who said we have Hitler backed into a corner so far that he's going to squeal, right? Fritz von Poppen was the vice chancellor of Germany, the guy who, you know, made a coalition with Hitler that made him chancellor of Germany, right? Uh, these things are processed processes, you know, uh, and we're very far along a process, one for which, you know, the questions that are asked by conventional political journalism no longer signify anymore. We're going to continue this discussion and post part two online at democracynow.org. Uh, also talk about what Ron DeSantis represented as he goes back to Florida as governor. Rick Perlstein writes the American Prospect column in the Infernal Triangle. He wrote Nixon Land. He wrote Reagan Land. More later. You are listening to KBOO Portland 90.7 FM. Listener-supported community radio. KBU Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBU in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBU Community Radio's open meeting policy is available at our website at kbu.fm. KBU's Board of Directors meets on the fourth Monday of the month at 6 p.m. This month's meeting will be held at 20 Southeast 8th Avenue in Portland and online through a public video conference. A public link and phone number to attend the meeting virtually can be found on our website at kbu.fm. Please visit our website to verify if a meeting is being held. Hey, KBU listeners. KBU cut through the clouds during our end-of-year campaign thanks to support from listeners like you. When we meet our campaign goals, we can continue to bring you colorful, radiant rays of radio. Thank you, and keep tuning in for unique music, cutting-edge news, and transformative public affairs on the airwaves. KBU. Good morning. You are listening to More Talk Radio here on your community radio station, KBOO-FM, 90.7 in Portland, 91.9 in Hood River, 104.3 in Corvallis, and via the World Wide Web, it is KBOO.FM. I am Cecil Prescott with my co-host, Celeste Carey, and we are broadcasting live um, January 22nd. 2024, and it is 8.02 a.m., and here in the Pacific Northwest, um, Portland particularly, I think the ice has finally melted. Oh, no, you're not supposed to say anything. Hmm. Well, <laughs> you know, you know, I get out, you know, stuck in your house for like nine, ten days, so... Uh-huh. Something like this is so like, yay, I can get out. Well, I'm one of those people who uh just opted for staying in. Oh you know? yeah. I, yeah, I hunkered down and I brought out my well practiced COVID recluse persona. Well, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I think we were all prepared for this because we had the experience of of COVID and and isolation. So um, I hope people who were able were able to stay as safe and warm as possible. And I'm also thinking about those who um, lost um, employment uh, during that time. Um, yes, lost employment, lost power, lost you know utilities and the ability 
to stay warm and those who didn't have it before the storm hit. Mm-hmm. It's interesting yeah. be- because um, today on my way to the uh, studio, I, I, I saw an, an act of charity that um, reminded me that even in the midst, um, something good can happen. And this was uh, two um, un- un- um, unsheltered people um, mm-hmm. And they, um, one was getting off the bus, bus, and the other was sitting at the bus station. And you know, this one guy was looking somewhat deceitful, and this other guy offered him a cigarette. And then you know, he he hesitated, then he took it, and then he said, "No, have another one." And you know, regardless of <laughs> what we're thinking think about the health benefits of, of smoking. There's a whole other, uh, you know, analysis one could make about how, how people who, who lived on the street take care of themselves. But for me, it was just a sign of even in the midst of, of challenges, um, th- there's the possibility for the best of humanity to come out. And that, for me, um, this morning at, you know, 7.15 was seeing this one um, houseless person offering um, compassion to another one. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, and yeah, I'm like you. It can be a, a mixed bag uh, in terms of uh, give a cigarette or don't, you know, because I know for some people it feels like you're, you're giving death. But uh, at the same time, at the same time, like you said, it's an act of uh, companionship or camaraderie or comfort or something along those lines. Yeah. Um. Well, um, this show Mm -hmm. (laughs) is not necessarily about that. No. Um, And and, um, the first thing I want to do is is kind of lead into or lead to it from um, the statement what we heard about whether or not Trump is going to be the um, the Republican candidate, and um, uh, a little later on, after I get a chance to really kind of work on how I want to approach it, I'm going to share uh, as a topic uh, my conversations with an acquaintance of mine who is an ardent Trump supporter, uh, and and just some experiences I've gleaned from from that, but. Um, Cecil and I talked about this as something that you've probably seen in social media or maybe you might have uh, seen it on YouTube or some of the other platforms thrown around. And hearing how Trump is is snowballing and his effect uh, of support among the various levels or tiers or shades of Republicans, uh, it makes one wonder, okay, is this possibly the last election we will have? And on our last program, we talked about uh, threats to democracy. And we talked about whether democracy needed to be threatened, you know. Um, and, and we briefly kind of just touched on a definition of democracy. Um, well, our elections, uh, sacred as they are, um, uh, convoluted as they are, questionable as they may be, you know, are a hallmark of, of this democratic republic. Uh, but with the threats that we've had coming out of Trump and the fact that even if he loses to him and some of his diehard constituents, he did not lose, but rather was robbed, um, it, 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 it brings to mind a couple of other issues surrounding his presidency. Now, it's no secret that, you know, the word fascist is, is first and foremost in many people's minds when they think of uh, Trump as a, as a leader, regardless of how he gets there. You know, despotic is a word and dictator is another word. He's even said, well, I would be dictator for a day, you know. Uh, we, we won't even dignify that, you know, with, with any kind of analysis because um, of cause the source. But it's a real concern that the political and social up, uh, upheaval that could occur could really jeopardize our election system, our, our nation. 
And so I'm wondering how people feel about this. Um, could this possibly be the last election we have? And how, how can we deal with this? How will we address it? Uh, that's a really big concern. Mm-hmm. Um, anything you want to add to that, Cecil? Well, yeah. Well, a, a couple of thoughts because I, I think you you touch upon the this point in in terms of whether this is the the last election, um, and and also in terms of um, the threat to democracy. Now we all know that democracy is more than um, elections. Um, election yeah. is one aspect of, of living mm-hmm. in um, in democracy. Um, but I think it is, one could argue that that um, sense of, of participation um, may go away depending upon um, who is elected um, in, in November. Also realize that Democracy is was never given full blown as is. Um, so it's only been a hundred years since women have been able to to vote in elections. Um, it's been sixty years since ensured people of color were could participate in in election in, in elections. Um, so one can talk about democracy as ever-expanding and also able to to shrink. So possibly one way I would like people to address, if this election is so critical and if Trump is um, re-elected or takes office again, what may we do um, if we desire or want to, to preserve or to protect um, democracy? Um, and perhaps you may want to define it for yourself. Well that, well, that is a very good point right there, how to define it, you know, in terms of your personal experience. And, um, you know, I, I, I know we're talking about a hypothetical, okay? I get that. Um, but there are a lot of things with regard to Trump's ascendancy to power that they used to be in the realm of hypothetical, you know, uh, not to say that any of the other presidents we had weren't, um, uh, I'm trying to think of a nice way to put it. And, uh, one phrase comes to mind. I don't remember if it was Twain or Frankel that said it lying liars in the lies they tell, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like any of our other presidents haven't had dubious character. There we go. Uh, but you know, his is beyond the pale. I well, mean, yeah, there and, it is. And and those of people are of a certain age. We can talk about. Well, we thought it couldn't get any worse. So, if you yeah. are a certain age, in 1964, you saw Lyndon Johnson against Barry Goldwater. Oh my gosh, that was a apocalypse. And and you had the election of of Lyndon Johnson um, in uh-huh. 19, 1980. Um, Ronald Reagan against Jimmy Carter. I I had a friend who left the country. Um, when Ronald Reagan was elected, because oh my gosh, things are are terrible, um, and we can talk about um, his vice president George Bush the the elder and how he um, got the United States involved in in Middle East conflicts, um, or we could talk about you know his son. Remember when we used to make fun of George Bush um, the the second, the younger um, about yeah, yeah. He, he mm-hmm. wasn't very 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 smart and how he just was born with a silver spoon in his m- mouth and things couldn't get any worse. And now we have Donald Trump. So. You might have some thoughts about these things. Our number here are 503-231-8187. And Celeste, any thoughts before we go to our, our caller? Well, I, I want to lay out our second topic. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to ask people to choose one. You don't, don't talk on both of them so we can get more people in. Here is a thing that maybe is very directly related to Trumpism and MAGA. Uh, and that is the immigration attitude of this country, you know, which is ironic to say the least. 
Now, we won't get into the depths of all that, but one thing I really want to uh, emphasize is the fact that um, this is no longer a, a country that welcomes people unless you are whatever flavor of the day. Um, now, we had a young, um, a young legislator, uh, Maxwell Frost, Democrat from Florida, uh, and he... <laughs> He, he twisted the whole paradigm on his head. He says, you know what? I, I, I hear you all. You know, you're talking about we need to, we need to get rid of um, our, our current immigration policy. And one way I want to uh, facilitate our change in attitude is to introduce this bill, this bill uh, that removes the Statue of Liberty because of the support uh, for H.R. 2, which is known as the Secure the Border Act of 2023, would make sweeping changes to border uh, uh, security and immigration policies. And he said uh, to colleagues on the other side, you know, be honest now with immigrants who deserve better than what you're offering. Uh, Don't welcome them if you don't plan on letting them stay here. And so he he asked that uh, if you want to have this bill, why not just get rid of the Statue of Liberty? And I thought, what a what a striking! I didn't even know. I won't say it was performative. You know, there are some people who maybe, especially from the Republican side of the aisle, might say, "Well, that's performative." But you know, uh, it cuts deep at our so-called identity. And it would be one of the possible results. Our immigration change would be part of the possible results that come from a a Trump dictatorship, because he's already said as much. So, you know, my question is, you know, what what do you think of that? You think that that is exactly where we're headed? And it, it sounds kind of frivolous. It sounds kind of, you know, like, you know, a throwaway topic, but it's not because it really cuts to the core of the identity we claim for ourselves in this country. We're not a shining beacon anymore. And 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 to to put put this in a little context, um, uh, Maxwell Alejandro Frost is the first member of, of Generation Z to be elected in to the US Congress. He was elected in um, he was at the age of 25 and uh, I think 2022 he was elected um, and he um, was born um, uh, of, 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 of people who, who were immigrants um, mm-hmm. and he was adopted at, at, at birth um, so uh, his, his unique um, challenge to, um, to some of the right wing rhetoric we hear around immigration and and asylum seekers um so you know when he stood um at that congressional committee and read the um um emma lazarus poem new new colossus you know that we all had to memorize as children and you know that's at the statue of liberty oh oh, (laughs) yeah uh so that was somewhat significant so it's theatrical yes but also i i think Demonstrate a, a real concern about how we should approach um, issues of of immigration. Those are two two topics we mentioned. Um, let's hear your thoughts. Five zero three two three one eight one eight seven, and let's go to um, Santiago. Good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, you know the whole thing with Donald Trump. I think it's you know Donald Trump is fascist, but. I would say that is because America has been primed for fascism, you know, and when I talk about fascism, I'm saying like what the definition is palingenetic ultranationalism, meaning a a, a violent a, a rebirth of the nation through violence. Because hmm. that's, cause that's, a, that's a, a reoccurring theme in American history, first through the original settling through manifest destiny and then the ever expansion of it through that sort of that sort of same lens. So we're here already, you know. It's so uh, it's it's been here. It's just you know, it's just it's an echo of the past. And you know, I think it's 
I think it's really important to remember that when we're talking about democracy, and you guys kind of touched on it momentarily, is that, uh, um, you know, democracy has only been given through struggle. And right now what we're seeing is that elections really aren't free because they're decided by the corporations who pay for the politicians. Um, you know, so it's like, you know, Donald Trump, while he is fascist, the um, democracies or how we understand democracies now, when they are in peril, will always turn to fascism rather than socialism, because fascism, while it is destructive, preserves private property for the elite class, because mm -hmm. that's where you see that that's historically who fascists support and why government support fascism and then i think it's really important to remember that people are exhausted you know we've how many elections has it been where this has been the deciding election right and then you and then you you pile on you pile on that people can't pay their bills they can't keep their heat on they can't feed their kids they're you know they're struggling to make it people are working three jobs just to just to have a, a store you know a live-in storage unit you know, people aren't people aren't living. They need hope. And, you know, you're talking about like, well, what do we do for the future? What we do is we start organizing. We start organizing outside of the system like we did 50, 60 years ago. You know, you don't you're not going to you're you know, people aren't going to feel hopeful by voting. People are people well, are sick of the process and not like the actual experience, well, not having it. Yeah, you know, as, as as you spoke for for me at least, you raised the issue of of talking about um, um, community participation, um, people being involved with one another in in their community, um, which um, for me at least expands um, a, my understanding of community and even a concept of democracy. Democracy for me is is people engaging with one another um, and. For me, as as soon as we get away from this corporate understanding of what democracy is, and um, we'll be better. But yeah, I agree, and I think it's also important to remember that you know the the uh, the the founding enslavers. You know, when they yes. talk about democracy, they talked about democracy for a a moneyed property owning class you know they were afraid of real democracy what they were talking about was having a rulership of the uh of the elite and not by a king you know well, they can yeah, all have their own little right huh? and and i yeah. I, I was reminded um yesterday someone uh was speaking about you know the the founders of of the country and he was being quite huh. blunt you know talking about thomas jefferson um, you know, writing these these great words uh, for the Declaration of Independence while he was a, a, a pedophile and a rapist. And um, well, yeah, that too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that those are all important things that a lot of people, you know, when you're talking about democracy, what you're talking about is you're talking about going straight to the people. And the thing is, is that like real democracy, see what we're talking about, is like Paulo Freire kind of talked about it in Pedagogy of the Oppressed, where he mm -hmm. talked about like what a lot of liberals do, especially in times like these, is they're, they're trying to, they, they, they save off the talk of like actual democracy and like, you know, like a, a, you know, like revolution, because they want to preserve what they consider like temporal space, like the space that's already been carved out, and they don't want to talk about the the actual like the going into the unknown because they feel like they have what they have, and we should hold on to it, even if it's even if it's even if it's killing us, we should hold on to it. But the thing is, is that 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 temporal space that we have. Was only carved out by the people who were willing to were willing to venture into the unknown. Right, right. And we're so scared right now because we're afraid of what it would look like. But it's like we're not even engaging truthfully with like what's right in front of us. You know, we and and that's part of it too is that we live in a world where we can AI generate images. We can we can have augmented reality where we don't have to look at things as they are. But we think that it's being depressing when we talk about the reality of things. But the most the most lasting hope and joy that you can have is by looking into the darkness and still finding a reason to smile and to go on. Hey. You know what I mean? Hey. You know, like, let's, all right, let's perfect put a, word. Let's put a period there. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's all that's, right. So I mean, that's really what it is for me. Like we, we just we we're so you know we would be less scared if we could if we could do that. You know. So I mean that. All right. Anyway, and just and just one more point, real quick. Like, no, no, no. Let's 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 give give somebody else a chance. Thank you. Okay. Okay, thank All you. Right. Thank you so much, uh-huh. Santiago. To be able to look in in, in, in the midst of of, uh, of despair um, and be able to hold on to that which is, is hopeful um, is a challenge. Well, you know, it is a challenge. And one of the reasons it's a challenge is because somewhere within our, our spirit, we wonder if we're being delusional. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like that expression. What is it doing the same thing and expecting the same result? You know, uh, sometimes when we are faced with a situation, um, hope, hope is a necessary ingredient to keep us imagining possibility, to keep us striving to uh, uh, realize and actually implement possibility. But we also, you know, we have to balance it and determine whether or not we're being delusional. And I don't mean it as in, okay, we're never going to wing, give up, you know, surrender. What I mean is, do we now need to think in terms of something totally different, you know, uh, totally uh, revolutionary in, in, in the classic sense of the word, like turn around, do 180 degrees, find a whole different paradigm to to develop. So uh, I'm thinking, you know, based on our conversations we had with people in our last show, you know, about democracy and threats to et cetera, et cetera, and where we're going now, and especially vis-a-vis some of the points that San Diego brought up, you know, um, again, what is the revolutionary vision perhaps we need to entertain? Mm, that's a good good question. What is the revolutionary vision we need to entertain? What is your revolutionary um, vision? How do you how do you imagine the world, and what do you do to continue? Uh, moving without falling into despair. And maybe falling into despair is not a thing you should avoid. Well, it may not be totally a bad thing. I mean, you know, if necessity is the mother of invention, perhaps despair is the mother of, um, I'm going to try something different. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It's the same thing in essence, you know. Well, but give us a call. Our two topics. Uh, we're discussing the. How do I want to put it? I don't want to say. Well, no. Let me shift back. We're discussing the possibility that this might be a. This could be the last presidential election here in the United States, and you know thoughts on that. And then we're also discussing. What are emblematic here? That's the word I was looking for. The emblematic um, gesture by Maxwell Frost, Democratic uh, legislator out of Florida, uh, who says, well, if we're not going to be an immigrant-friendly fa- uh, country, should not we get rid of the Statue of Liberty? And you know... And, oh. oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. no, no. I, I, I just wanted to add... Onto that that latter point about Maxwell Frost um, calling out the hypocrisy um, by saying, mm-hmm. "Well, you know, if, if this is your true intent, maybe we should get rid of the Statue of Liberty." And I would like to expand this because he's a legislator and he's talking to um, other legislators. You know, you know, I I can broaden that appeal that if that is the case I mean if you want to live true to your ideals as an American then you know Emma let's you know those words aren't words we should embrace and and get rid of Absolutely. the Statue of Liberty and 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 for those who claim you are, are 
are are Christian, um, where um, what part of 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 the the ethic of love is it? Are you able to toss out and get rid of? So for you know for all these. Um, Super people who wear their their faith on, you know, covering themselves. You know, I don't understand. It hasn't been my understanding of of the faith that you get rid of immigrants. I always thought that the the um, the heritage was that you welcome um, those who are stranger, who are hurting, but. Give us your thoughts. 503-231-8187. Is this the last presidential election? One year from today, or uh, well, maybe one year from yesterday, um, we, uh, two days ago, we will inaugurate the next president of the United States. Will it be the last? What do you think? And what do you think about um, legislators such as um, Maxwell Alejandro Frost calling out his Republican colleagues by saying if you're against immigrants maybe we should get rid of the Statue of Liberty. 503-231-8187 and we will uh, go to our, our next caller in just a second. Maybe not yet. Yes, okay. We'll go to a caller, and we will go to Corey. Good morning, Corey. Hey, good morning from Seattle. And um, I like the point that you're discussing this morning. I will say this, um, the immigrant piece. I think sometimes we have to have this honest conversation about how immigrant assimilation for many, not all, is about assimilating to white proximity. Mm. And so I was watching... Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy mm-hmm. and uh, Nikki Haley. Mm-hmm. And even when they had the conversation where she was like, you know, talking about slavery, uh, the Civil War, it was the, dis- the disdain that she had when that person asked the question, like, how dare you ask me about that? And if you look at her history, her father worked at HBCU. You know, if it wasn't for, you know, black people in South Carolina, she probably wouldn't have had many of the advantages that she had. Uh, when you look at Vivek, he just seemed like a clown. And the first thing he did after Donald Trump threatened him, he went and he hugged him. And it's just like, and so it's that proximity to whiteness that's ultimately also tied into anti-blackness. So you yeah. can come here from from India or from Latin America or, and let me be straight up honest, I even know many people from Africa or Jamaica or the islands who like no 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 I'm 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 Jamaican I'm not African American yes, yes yes yeah no, I'm 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 Nigerian I'm not I'm not like those people and I think that's pretty much you know because those people I'm looking I'm listening to a lot of them now you know they're they're the deep well, you know, know, undercurrent of you, brown people who support Trump if 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 that's fine but it's that proximity to whiteness because ultimately it is tied into a deep anti-blackness and I don't and I mean blackness I mean anti. Um, African-American, well, 12% of the population. But let me ask you, because in terms of this um, a proximity to whiteness, and, and this is something that we've, we've all are aware of and experienced and, and witnessed, I, I think it's interesting that, um, you know, the former vice, former um, governor of, of, of South Carolina, Nikki Haley, um, how, have you noticed how, how Trump, and this is a pattern for him. Begins to ridicule her by by calling um, by of uh, uh, calling her by by the by by her birth name, and by saying that it just reminded to me that you may think you you you're passing, you may think you're approaching whiteness, but 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 no, no. Exactly. You you always get checked you know yeah. Nikki Haley's married to a, a, a white man and, mm-hmm. and it was interesting too and I'm married to a white woman but I also know who I am I'm a southerner who lives in the Pacific Northwest until democracy crumbles but it's, I'm always reminded <laughs> yeah. and, that, and, that, and that's that thing with I think blackness we can never quote unquote assimilate we're always going to be the ultimate other but I also love my skin but I think that you know, I work in academia, and I've seen that that othering. Or 
I get the thing, well, well, Corey, you know, you're one of the good ones. Why can't, you know, more? Oh, yeah, why can't the rest of them be like that? Yeah, yeah why can't the rest? And I'm like, well, what about you? You're, you know, you're below average and you still work with me. And that's the, you know, I, I can be Dr. Clay and you have a bachelor's degree. And you, and you And so it, it, it's, it's that lack of understanding. But I also think that that's what's going to happen. I think ultimately... And that's why I've been looking. You know, I looked at Canada. We looked at the UK. We think, and that's when you're talking about, like, what can we do? Like, what can we do? Mm-hmm. I think, and I know we had this discussion before. I'm not married to the United States of America. And I think so many people have that psychology to where, you know, like, I, I have to be here. And I know that's a financial discussion. That's a discussion on social economics. Not everybody has the wherewithal to leave. I understand that. But mm-hmm. even the people that do, I had a, a, a student ultimately and they ended up going to school in canada but they they i'm like look you can go get your phd here oh wow like it was almost like yeah why would you it's that mindset of almost conditioning to where we cannot leave even when we travel it's interesting because i don't see i see some but you know i went recently and i ran with the bulls in spain and i saw one other black dude there we kind of looked at each other and kind of <laughs> nodded like you know if it goes down you know we'll we'll take care of each other okay. <laughs> it's funny. running with the bulls that you oh, yeah. i love the image <laughs> oh, oh this brother man down, yeah we'll protect one another your, i got your back and you got mine but you know right <laughs> but it's, it's just that mindset you know the fact that you know, we i think ultimately that immigrant story is going right. to be one that is going to be born out of anti blackness and you see that in Ted Cruz you see that in Marco Rubio you see that in different um you know stratifications of different different Latin people if you're Latino you're you're if you're you see that in the proud boy Corey you see that in the proud boy you know uh I I I do want to do a quick aside because you cracked me up it's like is it not enough that you literally run for the bulls? Did you feel the need to go to another country and not run from metaphorically, uh, uh, <laughs> metaphorically uh, 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 labeled bulls? <laughs> I, I, I'm going through my Hemingway phase. No, okay. Uh, oh, okay, <laughs> that's perfect. Okay. I got you. Let, I got you. Let me okay. be the most. Let me be the most esoteric black man in America. Let me go through my Hemingway. Phase. <laughs> okay. Farewell well, you know, to arms and all. Okay. <laughs> Here's the problem like, with, you know, leaving the country, though, because anti-black sentiment has, it is one of our chief exports, you know? So even if they don't have racism in the same virulent fashion we do, that doesn't mean that we're not going to run into some kind of anti-black sentiment. And I think for a lot of people, there's this whole idea of, uh, it, it, it's kind of like the last scene out of the Body Snatchers remix. It's like there is no safe place to go because when you see somebody that you think is a brother who's got your back, then he he lifts his hand and out of his mouth come the pie people scream. You know, <laughs> it's like so. Oh no, you're think, you're you're no exactly right. Place. Yeah, and I don't want to take up too much time, but you're exactly right. But I will say that you know, having you know been in the military and traveled, there are places where. Yeah, where it, it's not as virulent. And that's the saddest statement as well. Like, I want to be in a place where it's going to be there, but it's just not as virulent. And I, and I, yeah, and, and I'll leave it at that. And I'll, I love talking to y'all every other Monday. Talk to y'all later. All right. All righty. Thanks for your call. And you are listening to More Talk Radio on KBOOFM with Cecil and Celeste. Our numbers are 503-231-8187. We're speaking um, this morning with you, and we will speak at this moment with Mark. Um, good morning, Mark. I just good, good morning. Thanks for facilitating a great discussion. Um, I'd like to make a few comments. Uh, number one, to me, Trump Trump is such a, a a nihilist, such a threat to language and democracy that he uh, brings us into a Cairo situation, an emergency situation. Um, so elections are trashed when they become mud throwing and name calling. Um, now, I, I, wanted, I wanted to mention that I, I uploaded a great article on IndieBay.org titled Cracks in the Culture of Silence. 
This is a six-page article about Paulo Freire, whom Santiago mentioned, and emphasizes how the oppressed can adopt the the prejudices of the oppressors. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I think this is very helpful because many people question our education system because it seems to just be a uh, a business promotion system and doesn't seem to uh, welcome uh, criticism and critical thinking. Um, so I, I hope you'll you'll check out indiebay.org and, and read this article. It's a five or six page article. Um, that and what's, pub- a, what's the article name again? Uh, Cracks in the Culture of Silence. Okay. Um, culture of Silence, okay. Right, that's Paulo Freire's mm-hmm. understanding of, uh, of our situation, of the education of the oppressed, who are reduced to silence because they cannot participate, and they're, and they're simply uh, locked out of the system. Excellent. Very, very important. I will also mention that I hope people would check out the Monty Python uh, comedy routine about questioning whether the whether the whether the bird is sleeping, whether the bird is sleeping or or is a dead bird. To me, this this is a good analogy for for Trump. I don't want to know whether he he's a functioning person or just a uh, pathological uh, narcissist. Okay. Well, is it uh, either or? Must it be an either or? Well, well there's the, the controversy whether the bird is sleeping or the bird is dead. Very, it's well, a very. You know that that brings the that brings to mind the uh, Schrodinger. Uh, um, my words are failing me. I'm just going to say theory because I can't figure out what it is I was looking for. When the bird is alive when you look at it, but when you're not looking at it, it's dead. And I'm not saying that just to be, you know, cheeky, but to point out that um, this whole perception, this whole thing of perception is critical into even understanding whether our, our demo- how much our democracy is alive or dead, whether it's Absolute, yes. alive. Absolutely, especially when, uh, especially when Biden is, becomes a friend of Netanyahu, who is a, a genocide person. Uh, how, how, can he, how can he think that he's going to win people when he supports genocide? Does he care if he wins people? That's a good question, yes. Thank I don't know, but I think you're bringing up some great points. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mark. And you're listening to more talk radio here on your community radio station, KBOO-FM. This is Cecil Prescott. I'm here with my co-host, Celeste Carey. And we are welcoming your your calls and your reflections on this mm-hmm. coming election and on and another issue, particularly um, um, Congressperson um, Frost's proposal to hey, let's get rid of the um, Statue of Liberty if we're going to banish yeah, immigrants. You yeah. know, it, yeah. it doesn't mean anything to you anyway. So let's walk our talk. <laughs> let's go to Cody, who's waiting. Good morning, Cody. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Peace How are you people doing this morning? I'm well. Pretty good. How about yourself? I'm okay. I'm hanging in there. Uh, I was listening to your caller before last, and uh, he was making a lot of amazing points. And uh, the United States is going through a lot of changes, you know. And it's a, it's a good idea, like I've always said before. You know, I had to understand my history. I was listening to a... Uh, gentleman having uh, a gentleman from North Africa who was having a debate with a black woman about a completely, totally unrelated subject, and they brought up, like, systemic racism. And he was brown, too. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Egypt is African, but it's like, uh, 
she said, you know, yeah, you know, people who who get discriminated against uh, don't have the power to do such and such. And he kind of laughed in her face. He said, man, you guys have been here 400 years, and I've only been here like a generation, and we've just shot past you. Mm. And he was kind of like insinuating that, you know, something's wrong with the descent of the slaves in this country. And poor thing, she didn't understand what she was dealing with, you know. And she wasn't, she 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 didn't do her homework. And 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 and, you know, he said, "Well, why is it that Nigerians can come to the United States and zip right past you guys?" And you know, I was listening, thinking, "Well, because a Nigerian has a consulate, and uh, uh, they could go to their local embassy, and their embassy." can call our government up and say, hey, what did you just do to our Nigeria? Well, We're talking it's, not even, it's not even just that. You know, one of the things that people forget is that many other countries, even if they are impoverished or we try to keep them down, uh, have a better educational system and they're taught critical thinking. Another thing, uh, you know, you got to think that anyone coming to the United States that comes from a country that deals with a certain level of endemic corruption is very sophisticated and learns how to work a system to their advantage. You know, uh, Celeste, I would have agreed with you once upon a time. Uh, uh -huh. But I, ch I challenge that mainly because I was speaking to one African uh, who we, we were having a conversation about Africans getting a college education in uh, 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 Ukraine, of all places. Yes. Yeah, I, I knew and, you were going there. Go ahead. Go ahead. And, mm -hmm. and, and he says, yes, I have university from Ukraine. And I said, okay, all right, all right, because I don't have a college education. I'm just a humble man, you know. And uh -huh. it, it's, it's like, so... Okay, you have a college education. Yes, I have a, I have a, I'm from university. I say, do you know what the word eugenics means? Uh -huh. And, and, and he went, yes. I said, do you know who actually tried to abide by that eugenics? Because really it all started with the train incident. When they had to pull out of there as a result of the conflict over there, they made it their business to keep the Africans off the train. And they were all incensed. Yep. And I'm scratching my head going, wait a minute. Why are you guys upset? Do you know where you're at on that eugenic scale? Well, These you know, it's not, it's, it's not even just that, because even the Africans who were attempting to go to university in Russia were severely mistreated. Well, I'm trying to, and, and I'm scratching my head. And right. I mean, these are Africans. They're not coming from, see, the, 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 uh, a descendant of slave American, I mean, anyone who could trace their lineage back either before the Immigration Act or clear back to the Civil War, they kind of mm -hmm. understand that animal intimately. We understand mm -hmm. that animal. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, well, do you know who that guy in Germany is? You know, we're talking about the guy in World War II, the Fuhrer. And they went, yeah. yeah, do you understand that their scale is so stringent that there are people who look just like them and they yes. were discriminated against? Yes. Where do you, yes. what, why are you so shocked that they're treating you like this? And this is in Europe. All, all I'm saying is, is that, that I know that if I ever travel to another country or migrate to another country, I'm going to hit the books on a lot of the history and the society instead of just trying to fit in because a lot of people are coming to this country and they really don't know what they're dealing with uh in the long term and all they have to do is and another thing too they bring their culture and they bring their language something that was mm -hmm. really stripped away from black americans a long time ago we are literally we we, we are literally a child of the United States of America. We have no place else to go. This is our home. Whether we That's like why it. I call American blacks the new world race. Yes. You know, Absolutely. that's it. And I, that's who we are. I agree with, and, and our culture, so these people, they bring their history, 
They bring their lineage, they bring their ancestry, and they bring that inner understanding with them that was ripped away from black people. But then when they come here, they might mock us, and I tell black folks, well, just be cool and don't get upset, because mm-hmm. sooner or later, everything catches up with everything. So, yeah, I just wanted to point that level of ignorance out that we all show and when I see other people from other cultures and 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 in what's happening to to the United States in real time, I, I'm I'm kind of scratching my head at this phenomena. And uh, thank you so much for taking my call. Well, thank thank you for bringing us a point. You know that whole anti-black sentiment is really important because, um, again, I say you know discrimination, bigotry, uh, racism is uh, one of our chief exports, and so when people see that uh, portrayed to them, no matter whether they're seeing it in you know some of our worst TV shows or some of our worst music or whatever caricatures or stereotypes are, are, are exported. You know, they think, oh, my, I don't want to have no agency. I want some kind of agency. And so the first thing you think of, even if your skin is very, very dark, is like, I'm not black. I want to, I yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I I wanted to to reference um, something for for our audience and and for you the caller um and around this um wb du bois um wrote extensively uh, about um um the the identity of 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 of, of black people in america and he, he talks about something he called double consciousness yes and um uh-huh first written in 1897 in the Atlantic piece, but um, I think that what he said and what, what you say are, are similar in terms of identity and in terms of who um, who black people um, believe they are and how they strive. Um, well, yeah, indeed. Um, well, what, well no, no one's really looking at the history. No one's looking at, you know, how it was against the law to actually teach a black person how to read. No one's, yes. no, no, no one's talking about the brutality of the Jim Crow laws over here and how we have, like, accumulated uh, uh, one, a, a ratio of, like, uh, one healing to, like, like, 11 pain and hurting. And how, you know, we might have had maybe seven years on top of the 300 that we had to deal with. So it's, it's, it's like I, I can't keep hitting someone's foot and expect them to walk straight. So, yeah, it's a human thing. So, yeah, I'll let you guys go. Hey, thank you All right, so much. And you're listening to More Talk Radio here on your community radio station, KBOO-FM. Let's go to Francis. Good morning. Good morning, Francis. I was beginning to wonder where the women were. Hi, Lou. Um, First of all, I wish wish that Maxwell Frost was old enough to run for president, but uh, he's not qualified because of his age. And I'm really not concerned about that man who has disqualified himself. I am uh, concerned that we are complicit in genocide and uh, I don't I don't know they did the same thing with Bernie Sanders I don't know that the the Democrats their committee their national committee realizes that this genocide that's going on and our administration's continued uh, what you call it complicity with with the military industrial complex is what's going to lose the election for them. I, I don't think they understand that uh, the historical tendencies, you know, and what they think Americans will go for it, it isn't happening anymore. And I wonder if we think about why all these people are coming here from other countries from the South, like... South America, not just Central America, South America. They're coming a long ways. For what? Why? Why would they leave their homes? Mm-hmm. 
we're not talking about, no one's talking about what is going on in their country, right. what kind of corporate exploitation is taking place. Mm-hmm. You know, it's they make it sound like it's all about uh, drug wars or something. That's not what's going on. These well, people have, you know, are, it, are it, coming here, they're coming here to survive. Yes. Well, because a lot of no us way do recognize to live in that. their own country. Yeah. I, I no one talks I about it in the media. No one talks about it. Pardon? What did you say? I wouldn't I'm expect sorry. to hear a detailed uh, critique from the other side as to why people are coming here. We know that it's a matter of political up, up, upheaval or, or economic upheaval or uh, uh, what is our role uh, concerns about the weather, you know, country. but the, 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 uh, um, I don't want to just say the right, but the right, they're not concerned with having it's not, a, it's not a, just the right. It is well, the it, right. It, in a way it is because a lot they're of people, they're looking at these who, people. Well, well, let me finish presses. A lot of people Go who ahead. are on the progressive side do recognize that our climate change is causing instability. So they they recognize that there are a myriad of reasons. They talk about overthrow of government by corporations, and especially multinational corporations based in the United States. So they talk about that. So there is an awareness. But maybe there's another point you're trying to get at. So I'm I'm trying to pull that out because, you know, I don't expect the right... The point is that those on this side are not acknowledging our country's role in the exploitation of economies in those countries. They're not acknowledging the fact that our sanctions on Venezuela, the same mm-hmm. kind of sanctions we put on Libya, uh, because countries are trying to own their own resources, is playing a huge role in the destruction of their economies. And back to here in this country, mm-hmm. um, if that gentleman from Nigeria was to walk down the streets in my former gentrified neighborhood wearing a hoodie, he may be able to experience those people that like the racial profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, really don't care what your education is. They don't take the time to find out. <laughs> or what country you're from sometimes. <laughs> exactly. So that uh, that argument is bogus to me. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and like your gentleman that just, you just got off the phone said, you know, we're not looking at the history in this country, the institutions of racism in this country that continue to exist today. And until we do, until we acknowledge that, until we really do have truth and reconciliation, to me that argument that that gentleman had indicated an extreme ignorance on his part. Ignorance Mm -hmm. or naivete or denial. You know, and and I hear your point about how people, I hear your point about how people on on the left uh, don't want to own the U.S. complicity to this mass migration. I hear that. Um, and more often Or than our not, complicity in the genocide that's happening today. I can hardly stand right. to think about it. All those babies. Right. It's ridiculous. We have two minutes even, left. We're even... Con- oh, I'm sorry. You guys go ahead. And take care. All right. Thanks for your thoughts. Well, thank you. I didn't mean to cut her off. I just wanted to let you both know that we were approaching mm-hmm. the end of the hour, and we just feels we're like we're just beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it doesn't end with 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 our time slot. You know, the conversation continues through the various programs that you'll find on KBOO, on KBU, and we encourage you to to listen throughout the day as you're able. To, to hear the variety of voices and perspectives and to add your own ideas and thoughts to that voice because it's really important that we do become aware of not only our 
our challenges in life and our opportunities in life, but we need to look at the threats we pose to other people's lives, you know, because of our particular lifestyle in this country. This has so, been More Talk Radio. Go ahead. You got it. With your com- <laughs> yes, More Talk Radio. With Cecil and Celeste. Thank you, Ray, our engineer. Stay tuned, stay safe, and we will talk with you soon. This is David Barsamian of Alternative Radio, and you're listening to KBOO Portland. Tune in to KBOO on Saturday, February 17th from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. for a special live remote broadcast of Keep Alive the Dream. Keep Alive the Dream is an annual celebration of the life and legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., This year's event includes guest speakers and musical performances from the MLK All-Star Band, Eli Hardy, and more. Again, that's a special live broadcast of Keep Alive the Dream, Saturday, February 17th, from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m., here on your community radio station, KBOO, Portland.